what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. We're ready. We're rolling. Episode 69, March 22nd, 2019. Uh, you do that again. I messed it up with a clap. It's March 22nd, 2019, episode number 69. Do it one more time. The second, the first time was with a lot of energy, and that sounded like it was like not enough Because you're clapping right in front of me when I'm well, talking. I completely ruined the first one <sighs> with a clap, but the second one was just lower energy. Give me it. So this third time. You want you want the announcer yeah, call? Yeah, sure. It's yeah. episode number 69, March 22nd, 2019. You're listening to Off the Groove. That's how he does it. He's just it's like a light switch. He just turns it on, and it's... Right, Bam. Now, now just come back to chill, like, talking Scotty Dubler. Okay. Hey, <laughs> last week's episode was awesome. That was pretty cool. I got to tell you, I was a little skeptical when we put it out there because it was a little different than what we did. It was kind of run and gun, and, you know, we kind of threw that together because we, we were talking about leading up to the week. We were both sick as a dog. Like, you had been announcing, like, hundreds of races, and I was, I think you got me sick, actually, in Volusia. So we were sick. Like, I didn't even know literally before until the day before whether I was getting off work officially. And I basically went into the office and I was like, listen, guys, like I asked for this long time ago when before I interviewed, I'm going. And they were like, OK, they never told me I could go. But anyways, all that we didn't know what was going on. So we didn't have a plan. Oh, we had a plan, but we didn't really know exactly how it would pan out, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, we did forget two things. Well, last week's episode, we did. We talked to Kill Switch, Jacob Vandekoy, and somehow his interview didn't get in. So yeah. we apologize to Kill Switch. I like how you said we, like you took part of that. That, that was on me. I, I interviewed him. You did. And I okay. messed up because I, I didn't I didn't include it. So you want to just throw that well, in right now? This is a team. Yeah. We're, we're on a team. We is part of a team. You're right. We're in this All together. Right. And you actually gave brad baker a piggyback ride from the- i will never forget that it was amazing i mean it wasn't amazing that the elevator was broken that was kind of a bummer but like that's an awesome story that i'll always be able to tell gave a former champion piggyback ride down three flights of stairs brad the bullet baker that was awesome absolutely but i had a great time i think what we need to do is section that off i think people are wanting to hear just jen lewis's lap around the track i think we, we we might need to make that our intro or outro or something we usually hear a lot of feedback you know little people people telling us here and there what they think about the show i mean every comment that i got all about jen lewis she's kind of a, a big deal now she was so embarrassed but uh, she nailed it what are you talking about she rocked it and it was funny as hell it was great it was good well, stuff but, but when we first walked up to her I yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I she said, well, you're on off the groove. She wouldn't say nothing. Not one single word came out of her mouth. So what else I going love on? It. Not a whole lot on mine, man. Just getting ready for uh, another race weekend, which is right around the corner. Like one day yep. away. Like tomorrow. Yeah. One day away from the Atlanta short track. Earlier this week, Yamaha was introduced as the title sponsor for this weekend's race. And I think that's really cool. It's pretty cool. Yamaha, I get to see a lot of blue this weekend. And I mean, it's kind of been... You know, to start the season, Yamaha heavy already, right? Like, uh, Yami and the singles won, right? Like, Jesse Janish took home that, that win Daytona on a Yamaha. Yeah, and he looked really strong. And then Jake Johnson finished third on his Yamaha. Another Yamaha I want to point out that did really well all day long is Kale Kochman mm-hmm. on the bike he built. He had a strong showing there at Daytona. So, hey. I'm, my, my hat's off to him. I was proud of him. 
No for doubt sure. that uh, JD would have been up there if he hadn't uh, had that issue in the semi. And I mean, Colby, first time on the Twins, running you know five and six the whole main uh, in his first time making the Twins race. That's crazy. That is crazy, and, and I didn't expect that, especially on brand new motorcycles. Uh, he tried his hand riding a Yamaha a couple times at Savannah last year. Just didn't he make the main event there. So to come out at Daytona on a brand new motorcycle in the Grand National Twin, you know, the AFT Twins class, and run up front. Yeah, that was awesome. Seems like we have a bet going how many times we could say Yamaha in this intro, but I mean that this episode is going to be pretty Yamaha heavy. I got a got a feeling. So do we need to change our logo to make it blue and white instead of green and white? I mean, we can, but I don't think it's necessary. I think it's just this one episode, but I mean, you know, we we started talking about Yamahas. We're going to talk to some people that are dealing with some Yamahas. Um and this weekend we're going to see a title sponsor for Yamaha. It's all you know, Yamaha, you think that they're uh, paying us to do this episode? Maybe they will. <laughs> Should we give them our uh, PayPal account sure. or email Don't, address? What do, we need? Yamaha, what do we need to send them? We'll give you some stickers. We got some stickers. <laughs> <laughs> we got some stickers. Uh, we, got nah. some, we got some stickers for you. I'm pretty stoked on this episode, though. It, it, it's, a, it's a cool story. Tim Estenson has put you know a ton of his own time and effort into this into this series. Started a team a couple of years ago and had some success in his first couple of years, and uh, more than doubled his effort this year. He's got like six riders this year. If you count Ronnie Jones, who's riding a few of the races, but yeah, six riders. I think they had over 20 people down there at Daytona for the TT. And, you know, what a lot of people don't know is Tim actually used to race flat track, and his roots are deep in Yamaha. Yeah, he's a cool guy, and the more you get to the more you talk to him, the more you see how deep it goes, right? Like, he is not just a diehard flat track fan, um, not just a diehard race fan. Like, he doesn't do anything half-assed. And, uh, I mean, he he's very knowledgeable about the history of motorcycles as well. I mean, he owns that museum where he has a ton of motorcycles himself. And just hearing him describe one of those motorcycles, you're just like, wow. This guy, this guy loves two wheels. Should we give him a call? Sure. Call up Tommy Hayden as well. Why not? I, I don't have his number. Do you? Uh, no, but Andrea does. You know, Andrea works with the team. I, we know oh, Andrea. Yeah. She Andrea, will. Uh, Andrea can hook us up. She can hook us up for sure. And uh, get some insight on Yamaha. Talk some little Daytona and uh, see if we can talk to him before we get into Atlanta. Are recording? <laughs> Yes, Scotty, I'm recording. Hello? 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 I got I got two two voices over here. Am I talking to the one and only Tommy Hayden and the proud owner of Essenson Racing, Tim Essenson? Do I have both of you on the call? Sorry to say yes. Man, yes, it's us. Well, how are you guys doing? I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys, either one of you at Daytona. It's so hectic down there, and I know you guys know the meaning behind hectic, but uh, how are you guys doing? Right. Yeah, so we're doing Tom- real well. Awesome. Tommy, where are you at? Did they let you go home in between rounds? I know we got a short week here. Yes, I came home to Kentucky here for a few days, so enjoying right. that. Right on. And Tim, Tim, you went back home also? Yeah, I'm back in Arizona. It was uh, came home to enjoy the weather, even though Florida was nice. It's uh, 90 degrees and sunny today, so that was nice. Wow. That sounds great. So uh, both of you guys could actually have your own episode here on Off the Groove, but we wanted to get to know more about Estenson Racing. So let's start with some of the backstory on Tim. 
you used to race back in the day. You started a logistics company, and then not too long ago, you started Essence and Racing, so you could go flat track racing after you retired. I know that's kind of sums it up all in a nutshell, but why flat track racing, Tim? Well, Scotty, I grew up um, on a motorcycle, and I grew up in uh, North Dakota. I got on a mini bike when I was a little guy. We worked in the driveway, and we made our own, and the day came where I became the proud owner of a Yamaha Mini Enduro 60. And for flat track, that's where it started for me. My family was involved in a, um, prim- primarily my brother involved in a uh, Yamaha shop and sold a bunch of other products as well. And uh, I just loved, loved motorcycles. So I grew up in racing um, all of the local races fair races, state fair races, um, around about a three-state area. And, yeah, I did, I did pretty well at that. Um, and so, I, you know, I thought in my head, well, you know, I got a chance at this. I think I can do pretty well. And went out and entered the, entered the ranks and ran the uh, – your grandparents remember this. I ran the Badger Circuit for a number of years and back then got enough points to – enough wins to get my novice license and – ran through the novice career and you know the reality of it is is i just didn't have enough money to keep it going and uh you know more importantly uh you know i just wasn't good enough (laughs) once i broke out of the area that i was in uh the the folks i was racing against and and the type of equipment they had was far superior than what i had so you can either say I stepped away because I couldn't uh, be competitive uh, with the equipment and the cost of running it, or I fell off too much. So, from you know, from that, um, kind of the short story is I there was this awakening, this horrible awakening, because my plan was to be a professional motorcycle racer. And I woke up one day, and I was about uh, 19 years old, and I realized that I, you know, I needed to get a job and. You know, the hard part for me was that I actually had to turn my back on racing because I just couldn't stomach it. I couldn't stand not being in it, not being a part of it. And, you know, those that have that, you know, racing mentality and you have that overwhelming desire to be the best, you know, fortunately, I was able to carry that into my life. And um, it took a long, long time. So, you know, I worked really hard every day and, and, and uh, you know, they say, you know, success came easy, but, you know, success came showing up every day and working my butt off for 40 years. And, and you know, I just feel very blessed that, you know, I was able to do that. Um, so, you know, with that, I was, it, you know, hurt myself quite a few times when I was young and I was racing and I'd gone through back surgery and I went through a, a, a total left hip replacement. And this was just in the last maybe seven years. And I was in getting my second total hip replacement. And my wife looked at me and she goes, this is it. You have to stop. You've got to get a hobby. You've got to do something besides working and coming home, working and coming home. So I laid there and I thought about it when I was going through my recovery process and, you know, thought about what I liked and what I missed. And the only thing I could come up with was motorcycles. I just love motorcycles. And from there, started my venture back in through uh, collectible historic bikes and uh, drove me into back into flat track. Well, I just remember not too long ago in, t- in 2017, there's this brand new team and 
You know, Dalton Gauthier winning the first three rounds, of course, was disqualified for that third one. Then Colby Carlisle rode for you and won the championship. Uh, 2017, also Sammy Halbert won the X Games gold medal. And that was my first impression of Estenson racing. And I just didn't know where he came from. I knew that he used to race and stuff like that, but it's good to get the backstory. So, and then we move on to 2018. You had a two-rider team, basically, with a singles rider with uh, Colby Carlisle, Jake Johnson, who had a win there at Buffalo Chip. And then at the end of the year in 2018, J.D. Beach rode for a few races for you. Um, and then the big announcement came at the end of 2018. J.D. Beach, Ryan Wells, Dallas Daniels will be joining the team, more than doubling your lineup for, for this season for 2019. So actually taking a look at the lineup for 2019, you have Ryan Wells, Dallas Daniels will join us in June. Uh, in the Twins class, you got Colby Carlisle, J.D. Beach, Jake Johnson, and Ronnie Jones will be running you know, a handful of races, about six races when I – I talked to him last, but uh, so what is it about racing that made you more than double your team? It keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, really what I looked at um, before size, the size kind of just, it just happened because of how the negotiations with riders went and the, the timing of things. And I'm really glad that it worked out the way that it did. Uh, it wasn't, uh, Scott, it wasn't the intent when I first started. You know, when I re-entered, I had a lot to learn. You know, the motorcycles have changed drastically. How the teams operated have changed drastically. And so I watched for the first year or so. Actually, um, when I first came back in for a part of a year, um, I came in with a young rider out of Kansas and Colt uh, Chaboltz. And Colt rode with me for about half of a year on a XR750 that we just kind of put together. And that was really my entry back into it. And then from there, I, I stepped back and I said, all right, I, I'm enjoying this. Um, I don't know what I don't know. So I need to start surrounding myself with people. And, you know, I wanted to learn very quickly. I like to be competitive. Um, I like to have fun with it. That's the most important part of it. And I know it's hard to say that because we all want to win but I want to have just create a wonderful environment that's just very, you know, you know, very involving as the team, as the family environment and working together cohesively. And really, when I looked at that, I started looking at what I'd done in my business life. And what drove this was just really the idea of surrounding myself with, you know, people with, you know, high morals and ethics in their personal lives and, a drive for success and that people have had success within flat track over the years or road race over the years. One of the disciplines that feed into motorcycle racing. So through doing that, I stepped back after last year because I was moving, I was moving too fast. I was moving from a, a Yamaha, then I was moving to an Indian and I just had to say, halt, you know, I'm just, we're not going to get anywhere if I just continue to, you know, spin it here. I've got to get focused in and drive a team, and I've got to re-centralize everything into Arizona. I had things spread across the country, which wasn't necessarily bad. It's just the way that it happened. So I made the decision to um, take a break, get a nice facility in uh, Chandler, Arizona, host the race team out of here, be totally based here, and where I could see it, feel it, and touch it every single day and start growing it from there. So with that said, um, you know, having my wife put up with all this, Tracy, is just a huge supporter, even even the, a few years into this where she's really looking at it and looking at what we're doing. You know, she wants 
me to do this and to, you know, kind of enjoy this chapter in my life and moving forward. Um, but her commitment that she expects of me is to be working with the young riders. I want to work with the twin riders. I want to continue to bring people up. I want to run for the championship every single year. At the same time, Dallas Daniels is coming up. He'll be on the track in Lima. He raced this past Saturday night against some really strong riders in Georgia. And, you know, he set fast time and he won the main event. It was just extremely exciting for him. So to continue to work with him and mentor him coming up, and then there'll be another rider behind him. So my commitment is continue, as, as a team owner is to continue to feed opportunities to young riders that I believe in and I believe have the family values and the commitment and want to do this as a profession versus just going through having a lot of fun and, and giving up on it, you know, some point in the future. And that really drove us into the team that we have now. So I have Ryan Wells on the single side. He's going to be driving towards the championship this year. He's going to be able to mentor and work with Dallas throughout the year. Dallas will hit fresh in 2020. He's on a two-year contract. The twin side, Colby Carlisle stepping up to the twins now. We'll make the decision whether he's going to run, you know, the premier twins or if he's going to stay in the production twins. As of now, production twins is what we're leaning towards. And then, of course, with Jake and JD, we could talk about that for hours. But it's it's building a team, and it's building a team out of my passion for flat track, my vision of looking at AFT, I think, is a real important thing for us to talk about because it's been, you know, stagnant for years. And I think we're at a very unique time within, within flat track. I mean, we're watching it. We have the support, you know, of the France family and we have the support to really make this the next supercross. We we've got a stadium sport that we can really drive the viewership and sorry, I'm a little passionate about this side of it, but I believe where we see ourselves going in the next couple of years is really going to be amazing. Yeah, and you know it's the best racing out there. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down, but you know some of the road racing, you know, they get a little spread out. Uh, Supercross, you know, the racing's just not there like it is in flat tracks. So I agree with you, Tim, on that one. Uh, before we move off of JD Beach real quick, how hard was it for you to make a decision for him to ride flat track and road race in the same year? Well, really how that came to light is JD um, contacted me when he was actually, I can't remember what track he was at, but he was actually at a road race and towards the end of last year. And he called me and I heard the bikes going in the background. And he just said, Tim, is there, is there uh, any way that you could have a bike uh, for me to ride in Minneapolis? I didn't hesitate at all. I said, JD, I don't have a bike. We only have a couple of weeks, but I'll get a bike built for you. And I'll guarantee I'll have something for you to ride. And I, because I didn't want to miss that opportunity, you know, JD was just an acquaintance for me through Colby Carlisle. Uh, they're good friends, as you know, Colby's, you know, stayed with him off and on during the last few years. He's practiced with him. And I just knew the kind of person JD is and how committed he is to the profession, you know, of again, whatever discipline it is of motorcycle racing and to, you know, to have that opportunity to spend some time with him um, was wonderful. Uh, in between the two races, we uh, between Minnesota and New Jersey, we were able to talk a little bit more about uh, seriously about flat track and you know the possibility of having him join Estenson Racing full time for the 2019 season. 
you know, through doing that, he still has the overwhelming desire to road race. And I didn't want to take away from that because I didn't want to give him an ultimatum of, hey, it's road race or it's flat track because how can you get the best out of a person when you're putting boundaries on them from day one? And he started negotiating with a with another uh, uh, 600 team to go to ride for them. And through that, I started thinking, all right, we're going to end up with two separate contracts with JD. So he's going to be pulled in two different directions and have two different bosses, as well as I knew his dream uh, had been to get onto a super bike. So I made the decision um, to really take a look at the if, are there opportunities out there. And through talking with um, actually talking with Andrea, Andrea is the one that introduced me to um, attack racing. And so I was able to meet with uh, Richard Stamboli, uh, the owner of Attack Racing, and and he had an open ride with Aaron leaving his team. So he was just going to park it for the year. He didn't have a problem. And so I started really thinking about it, and I said, well, why don't I try and drive the ownership of the contract of J.D. Beach, and I get involved in putting him onto a superbike, and that way... You know, we he has a partnership with Estenson Racing. I have a partnership with Attack, so it's Attack Performance slash Estenson Racing on the superbike side. And you know, we're doing that for this coming year, and um, that'll give JD the opportunity to ride the superbike. At the same time, I think we all know his talent level in the flat track, and we're moving forward. I think it's going to be super exciting for the flat track world to have JD involved full time this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely some of the biggest, you know, biggest news in the off season for sure is JD, you know, going to be trying for two championships and and he'll cross over some fans. You know, I think he'll bring road race fans over to dirt track and I think some dirt track fans are going to go follow him now in road race to see how it, how he stacks up. So, that was some of the big news. Some more big news is you hired Tommy Hayden to be your team manager. So, how did you how did you get hooked up with Tommy Hayden? Well, that's another good story. And again, it comes back to Andrea again, but, and she handled it very politically correct with me, Scotty. So again, I'm used to, you know, through running my company and, and hiring the best of the best to run for, whether it's your chief operating officer or your CFO, um, you know, whatever the positions are, you want to hire people that are smarter, brighter, faster, quick thinkers, and people with a lot of common sense. So through through this process, all of a sudden, here here I am, Estenson Racing, Tim Estenson, a five-rider team, building a shop in Arizona, bringing in equipment from mills to lays to, you know, to welders to, I mean, totally building it, building. And then you start on top of that, you start talking about building the inventory, start talking about creating and working with um the new motorcycles and you know really it hit me one day you don't know what you don't know and i didn't know what i had bitten off is on is truth so i was we're outside in a parking lot and andrea walks up to me and she goes you know i know this guy you really need to talk to and she goes i go what are you talking about she goes well, I, I think you really need somebody to get involved in and help out here. <laughs> and, and I said, all right, Andrew, that, you know, I don't, I could, I agree. I agree totally. And I said, but again, who do you think it would be? Who do you think could help us out and be involved in the team? And, and we were mostly talking at that point, Scotty, about looking at you know, trying, starting to build 
a sponsorship list, which I hadn't really worried about up to this point. But once you go to a um, to the level we were we were taking this, you know, it just made common sense to start partnering with folks. So she said, "Well, let me let me talk to Tommy Hayden, and then see if Tommy'd be willing to talk with us." And uh, so again, Andrea put that together and we put a meeting together and we met with Tommy and, and talked about, um, you know, my vision of the team, talked about my importance of how the team would op, you know, operate from a personality standpoint. And, and, you know, some, some of the folks in flat track racing might think that that's kind of, you know, like, what do you care? That's kind of silly. Uh, you know, what do you need, you know, to be concerned about, uh, you know, about how it's operating day in and day out. But I'm looking at something that I want to be very sustainable. I want this team to go on for years, and the only way we can do that is having the right people in the right position. You know, whether it's an engine builder, a suspension guy, electronics guy, and in this case, you know, Tommy. We first talked about having Tommy come in and, like I just mentioned, talk about the marketing side and work on the marketing and bring in some sponsors. And because he was at a time in his life from the way I understood it, that, you know, he was, wanted to do something, but he didn't want to be drawn into something full time. And he can better answer that in a moment. But, you know, then the next thing we know, Tommy Harris is sitting there and we're talking about having him being the director of race, race operations. And to, to make it clear to what that means is Tommy's in charge of the team. What Tommy says goes. And I'm here. I'm here to brainstorm with Tommy. I'm here to work with him. But at the end of the day, I am going to do and support the decisions that Tommy Hayden makes for the Estenson Racing Team. Wow. That's a whole lot going on right there. And I just, I'm trying to take it all in. Uh, Andrea yeah. that you talked about is Andrea Wilson. She's actually, uh, she's in, in, in charge of your social media. What, what else does she do for you? Well, Andrea is in, you know, especially prior to Tommy coming on, Andrea was touching all, all areas. I mean, she was doing social media. She was helping, you know, brainstorm with me on the team, getting to know more of the people. You know, Andrea has been so involved in the multiple disciplines, again, within racing that she has this large network of people that she's, she knows. So her and I have, have worked closely on, uh, again, comes back to, you know, building of the team and getting the right people and the right personalities and the right work ethics in place. So she's been way more than our media person. She's been way more than the person at the track taking the, uh, you know, the, the photos of the riders for us. So she's an important aspect of the team and very valued and she will continue to be. All right. So let's bring in Tommy Hayden, a two time super sport champion, 34 road racing wins. You won one Grand National flat track race that I'll never forget. You, Nikki, and Roger Lee were all on the podium at one time. Why did you decide to get involved with Estenson Racing? Um, I've asked myself that a few times recently, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just joking. You know, I actually I was um, I had worked for Monster Energy for five years, overseeing all the road race sponsorships around the world. And, um, you know, I enjoyed my time there. I learned a lot, but I decided I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something different. So I stepped away from that and was really just going to take a little time off and enjoy myself a little bit. Uh, I got three little girls at home, so, and I was going to 
maybe just be around the house a little bit more. I traveled a lot, pretty much my whole life, but a lot the last five years. So, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something. I wanted to be involved in racing in some form, but really I didn't uh, have a plan. I was just kind of, like I said, going to take a little time away and just do things I wanted to do for a while. And then uh, I received a, a call from Andrea and started talking to her a little bit and uh, went out to Phoenix and met Tim. And quite honestly, you know, I I didn't have expectations for where I'm at now, just <laughs> maybe three months later. You know, I thought, like he said, it would just be something um, – kind of part-time, kind of help them with some marketing and some sponsor stuff, a lot of the stuff I've been doing in the industry for the last several years and, you know, kind of um, just help with, with some of that stuff. But then quickly as we started talking, it kind of evolved into what I'm doing now and I just, um, I don't know, I, have a, <laughs> I don't know if it's a good habit or a bad habit that um, – you know, I have a hard time just halfway being involved in stuff. So, um, you know, pretty much soon became fully committed and I've spent what seems like most of the year in, in Phoenix, um, you know, just getting everything, uh, everything to Daytona. You know, we had ended up having to get a new hauler and we're, like he said, getting shops set up, you know, it was real important to kind of get the image of the team, how I thought it should be. And all of all the sponsors kind of organized and situated and, and how we wanted to structure that. And just a lot of that kind of stuff. Some, some of the team members, we still had to put the pieces together and those things. So it's definitely been a very busy first few months, but you know, we were, we made it to Daytona. We, we were, you know, what I felt like, pretty competitive in, in all the classes and was uh, happy with where we're at today in this short amount of time. And I think we got a definitely a bright future if we can keep after it like we have been. You mentioned how short a time it was. You know, officially, you know, I, I started hearing about you in January when the, when the press release came out. How hard was it to get all that stuff together? I mean, like you said, you, you're adding multiple riders. You're adding more personality. You're adding mechanics new trucks and stuff like that. So how, how difficult was that, at, you know, coming in there? You're a new guy, you know, not new to the sport, obviously, but new to Essence and Racing. So how difficult was that first few months? You know, I, I mean, I, the, the most difficult part was just the time. You know, time was just our biggest enemy. You know, I think that we had good people. It takes a lot of time to um, do what we were trying to do and to get everything at the level we wanted it. So uh, it just – you know, I would say um, required a lot of effort from everyone, a lot of long days. Um, but, you know, that's racing. It's the same for everyone. I feel like you don't talk to any teams, no matter how big or how small they are. Everyone's burning the midnight oil leading up to your first race, and that's just part of racing. I think you got a, a pretty diverse group of riders. you got a couple of veterans, you know, Ronnie Jones helping out a little bit. you got Jake Johnson, who's been around for a long time. JD focusing on flat track for the whole season, Colby moving up to the twins class. And then, you know, in the singles class, Ryan Wells and Dallas Daniels uh, will, you know, start racing in June. Uh, talk to me about your riders. Do you like the riders you got? What's your first impression? And, and how do you like working with them so far? 
for sure i think we have a great uh, balance of riders with with uh you know the young guys coming up and then the uh, guys in the middle to you know a guy more like jake who has a lot of experience and uh, championships under his belt also so i think uh, we have a great mix of riders at all all different levels through both classes and uh, in all three classes if you consider the the production class also with kobe um you know so that's definitely something unique about our team that um that i'm aware of no other team has that you know, I feel like we, we're going to be competing uh, week in and week out in uh, all three classes when, when they have those there, when the, the races that have all three classes. So I do think that's pretty neat. That's something that we can kind of bring to the table that no one else is. And uh, back to the riders, I, I knew, you know, J.D. lives here close to me, so I probably uh, knew him the best. Um, I, I knew some of the other guys. But uh, definitely got to know them a lot more over the last couple months. Definitely happy with the riders. I enjoy working with them. I think they um, have a all of them have a very bright future, um, you know. And I think Jake, he's a little bit of the older one on the team, but I think he's got several more good years in him as well. Seems like he's kind of kind of relit the flame. Seems like in talking to him and the people around him that he's re-motivated and fired up and I think that showed at Daytona also so yeah I think on the rider side we're looking good it's just uh you know really puts more pressure on the team to you know deliver the the equipment they need to do their job so how much testing did you get in before you before you load up and head to Daytona uh we got you know really I would say as a real full test on our race bikes, pretty similar to what we brought to Daytona. We did two days uh, in Phoenix on a local track there on a a small half mile, maybe a three-eighths. So um, that was the first real test. There was some other tests earlier that um, uh, before I was on board that they had that weren't, I would say, full test. It was, you know, one bike shared by, you know, all the guys and, um, you know, really not quite the complete package. Uh, and then uh, once we got down to Florida, we did a day over at Ocala on a, a smaller TT track and um, did a day there, which was which was definitely helpful. Also, we learned some stuff there and uh, helped us out for the, the race there in Daytona as well. So, you know, not, not as much as we would have liked. We learned a lot at every, every test. Um, so I do think we have more potential as we get more, more track time. Cause still pretty new on the track. Right on. So let's talk about Daytona just a little bit. Uh, Tim, I'll get your opinion first and we'll go back to Tommy, but a, a solid day, I would say for essence and racing didn't have results for two riders. We're talking about JD beach who fell off while running up front. And then Colby was running like fifth in the main event before he had a mechanical issue. So Tim, give us your overall impression of Daytona for you guys. You know, when I was when I was in the heat of the day, it, it was pretty disappointing. Yeah, you know, I, I went out. You know, when you're watching the races go on, you watch JD go out, and you know, in winter heat, and you watch, you know, you watch Colby the first time in a national on a, on a twin. You know, being so competitive, you know, running top five, six, five, six, and 
then when you're ready for the main event and then you see, you know, JD come off, you know, or excuse me, the semi, you see JD come off the line and, and we just had a, you know, little incident that happens. And so my heart just sunk at that point. And then, you know, through the rest of the day and getting in the main and watching Jake was probably making the most changes and fighting through the day. So to see him make the improvements that he made, all of a sudden it realized that hey, we have these bikes to a point to where we can drastically change them throughout a day. And I did not have that in the beginning of last year prior to parking them. And I didn't have it the year before we would just be kind of stuck throughout the day. So when I separated myself out and got back to the truck when the races were all over, I was extremely pleased. I mean, I went up to Colby and I went, my goodness sakes, your first national, you've secured your number for next year. You know, you got, you know, got number 36 reserved for him. So he's going to be, we're excited about that. He went out and he was able to run with and pass and stay up with, you know, the best of the best the first time out on the track. And especially on that, on the TT, um, you know, Jake, again, you know, worked hard, fought hard to get up and get a podium finish. You know, you never know it's racing, you know, but in my heart of hearts, I believe if JD would have been able to keep it going, he would have done really, really well that day. So we had three new motorcycles on the track that we'd been working on and prepping all throughout the winter, trying to get the best Yamaha MT-07 DT on the track and be the year of proving that the parallel twin Yamaha can be on the podium on a consistent basis. And I believe we're going to do it. I believe we're there in my heart that we can make this happen. And the riders, most importantly, feel really comfortable on the bikes. So I'm excited going into Atlanta. You know, we all know Atlanta gets can get really slippery. And, you know, that's not really what good for it. doesn't really fit Yamaha or Kawasaki real well. But we're going to see when we get there if, if all the work is starting to pay off or not, Scotty. Right on. Tommy, talk to us about the track. What did you think of it? I know there's a lot of skeptics going down there, racing on the front straightaway, and then coming into the infield. What were your impressions, you know, after racing at the Daytona TT? You know, going into it, I wasn't uh... – Super concerned. I, I was probably most concerned about the transition from the apron up to the banking, just not being able. I know at different parts around the track, that's really steep. And in racing there before, I know that, uh, you know, it's difficult to cross that steep transition. So that was what I was most worried about. I wasn't worried about uh, really the difference between coming on the dirt or off the dirt. It was just how you were going to cross off of the, you know, the transition from the banking to the apron. They they did a really good job at the angle of that to, you know, ideally I think the best it could be. And then coming, both entering or exiting it really turned out to not be that big a problem. So in the end, I think it looked great, you know, watching it on TV or fans choice. I had a lot of people comment that they thought it looked uh looked really cool to have something like that. Uh, I think it was neat. They had a few obstacles thrown at them from, you know, they get what's left over after Supercross and some amateur racing and everything else after that, which uh, doesn't help when if they could just start from a, a brand new, fresh surface and prep it exactly how they want. So I think it, 
end up being a little bumpier than everyone would have liked. But I think for what they had and the, the obstacles the track crew was up against, I don't see how they could have done a whole lot better. I agree with you 100%. So, Tim, you said when you started Essence in Racing, you had an XR750, then you had Yamahas, then you had Indians. So why are you committed right now to Yamaha? Well, Scott, it goes all the way back to my childhood. Growing up, I always rode Yamaha, and it was it was kind of a family tradition. You know, the shop that we had was called Power Products, and it was a Yamaha dealership. Uh, early on, I, I was able to sneak away and raceable taco a little bit, and then, of course, that got ended quickly, and I was put back on a Yamaha. So the loyalty of the brand really goes back to my childhood and then you know the other thing and just to be fully transparent for me it's the challenge as well so we have the you know the v-twins that are out there that do real well they, you know they they're you know historically they've proven themselves as to be the bike to have on dirt and the challenge for me you know ricky howerton and, and brian smith have done a wonderful job on on the kawasaki not taking away from that at all they, it's incredible, incredible what they've done and what they're doing, going to be doing this year as well. So for the Yamaha product, you know, if you look at the history of Yamaha early on in dirt track racing, it was very competitive motorcycle years and years ago, and the XS650. And you know, as the years have passed, all of a sudden it's non-existent in flat track. So my goal, my number one goal this year is to win a grand national championship race with the Yamaha product. Scotty, the reason that's so important to me personally is to just break this horrible dry spell. The last time a Yamaha has won a national in flat track was 1982 with Scott Pearson at the Peoria TT. Now he won that race two years in a row. And a young man I grew up racing with, uh, Peter Hook, was second in 1982. So from 1982 to 2019, that's a long dry spell. So my personal goal, and I'm fixated on winning a national. After that, of course, I want to win the Grand National Championship on the same product. Right on. So I think this question is probably for Tim because I think you already had the riders picked out before Tommy came on board. So how do you pick your riders? Really, it's 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 a you know when I meet with them, I talk to them more about you know where where they came from, what their drive drive is, like why do you want to race, why do you want to be the best, why do you you know what are your goals through it, you know what's your backup plan, you know what's your education process, and I think this is important because a lot of the young riders that are out there, Scotty, have have um, stepped away from even from high school and they'll start saying, yes, I'm going to do online classes or yes, I'm going to do something, you know, something else or yes. So I'm going to go back later and get my GED. So that's not okay with my wife and I. So we really talk about them as a person. We talk about helping them because if you can drive the discipline in your life, you can continue to drive the discipline and for, 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 you know, becoming a professional motorcycle racer. As an example, um, and, and my wife's rule, and I live by my wife's rule because she can tell me she doesn't want me to be involved in this anymore, is they have to get a high school diploma. So I had a rider last year, you know, um, you know, a couple of years ago, actually, and, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but Colby hadn't gotten his, his um, high school diploma. So he didn't want to get a GED. He wanted to graduate high school. 
So the stipulation on Colby on riding that next year was by early spring, he had to show us a diploma that he graduated high school where he was not going to be allowed to ride one of our motorcycles. He did that. He went through. He graduated. He showed that he can start it and finish it, and that's what we're about. We've got to understand the person. You know, the, the families are an important part of it as well. Colby's dad gave up his life to drive him around in a van for years, and there was that drive to help his son, and there was that drive, you know, for success for him. But it's up to him to take it from there, you know, once we're able to give him that opportunity. You know, it's Tommy's job and my job to make sure that we can offer them the best equipment that we can give them, and hopefully it's the best on the track. And the same thing is true with Ryan Wells. Ryan is coming up. Ryan, when he comes back here, and I know he won't mind me saying this as well, we talk about it all the time. When he comes back here from Atlanta, the first thing that he does is he starts he starts school. So within a period of time, he's going to get his diploma. So we drive it. When I talk about a family atmosphere, there's got to be life after racing. And when a lot of these kids get it so focused on, I'm going to be a racer, I'm going to race, I'm going to race, that's fine. But everybody's going to reach the point, whether you become a multi time grand national championship you know the racing is going to be done and you need to have your life you need to be preparing your life for when that day happens and for me that's part of it so if i get a young man that's not interested in doing that or he's not interested in in you know the commitment to a workout schedule uh, i put set them up with personal trainers if they're not showing up or they're canceling a personal trainer that's not they're they're done they won't be with us this this has got to be serious, and if they're serious about it, we'll give them what they need. And you can probably pick a lot of that up through talking. It's almost like interviewing for a position in one of my companies in the past. So it might sound a little bit harsh on the front side, but it pays dividends at the end. So I feel, look at the five people we have right now. I mean, we have five superstars, I think. Man, I love it, and I think it's great that you're a part of the sport, and and you're not making not only making the sport better, but you're making these people better too when they stop racing. You know, I, I love what you're doing, um, Tommy. What tracks are you guys most looking forward to this year? Well, I think Daytona for sure. We was really looking forward to that. I think we had high hopes going there. We had some really good TT riders. We felt like in the little bit we did ride our bike, that you know it it would work well there. So that was definitely one we were looking forward to, looking forward to the miles as well. Um, You know, our home base is there in Phoenix. We did a few laps before Christmas there at uh, at that, um, you know, Wild Horse TT there. I think that's going to be pretty cool, something unique, something different than flat tracks ever seen before. So we're looking forward to that. You know, really, I would say we're there's a none that we're not looking forward to. I think we have a good package. I think this weekend's really going to to kind of show where we're at. I think if we can be competitive there this weekend, I'm confident that we could be competitive anywhere. So definitely looking forward to this weekend. I think that's going to be a big test for us, uh, for our bike, and really kind of um, kind of show us where we're at. Tommy, when you came on board, are you the one responsible for setting goals for 2019, or were those already in place? Uh, I would say that the, the goals were already in place. I, you know, they were they were there. I think I've just came on board and maybe 
helped refine things a little bit. I mean, it's, it's definitely not like Tim just came out of the woodwork, you know, in the last six months. He has been involved the last few years and has got up to speed a lot in the sport and uh, understands it well. And they were definitely on the on the right path and uh, going to do well. It uh, was just, uh, like Tim said, uh, just the uh, amount of riders and bikes and equipment and just everything there was, it's just a lot, it's just a lot to look after and a lot of planning and organizing and things like that. So, you know, I think the goals were there. I've just been able to help refine things a little bit and um, use some of my experiences to kind of help see things coming in advance a little quicker and, um, you know, get us, get us maybe avoid some mistakes and things like that. Right on. So Tim, in January, you let myself and, and Graham and Pa come out to your shop and my friend Jamie, but, uh, so we're at the part of the podcast where it's Graham's question. First off, she said she loves your shop, loves your collection of motorcycles. And she said that you gave her an open invitation. So I'm surprised she's not there every day. <laughs> uh, I love her. It's all my yeah. fun together, and you know, and I didn't put the, put it together on the uh, Badger circuit from back in the '70s that she was in, involved in that. So that was like old home week when we were able to. When I was a scouting those kid with hair down the middle of my back and spirit <laughs> of '76, so uh, we had a lot of fun with her, and you know, and I'm very passionate about my collection and and sharing it with, with people who who understand it and, and you know really really do care about the history of the sport and um uh we're expanding already the race shop um the race shop is uh the building that you were in you know i um mm-hmm. scotty where i am expanding that i'm going to move all the collection bikes out and that entire building is going to become the race shop i have a vision wow. of what i want and i want it to be and you know a, just a first class operation where you walk in and it's ex- you know, extremely clean. It's very professional. Everything has its place. The collection will be celebrated. It'll be in the um, in the building next door, which is now part of Estenson Racing, Estenson Collections as well. Um, okay. We'll be transitioning into that building in uh, the next 30 days or so. And that way I can have people that want to come and visit the collection um, not need to actually go through the race shop. So I'm very excited about that as well. Well, that's awesome. So it's time for Graham's question. Tim, this one's for you. She said, with so many different people now and personalities on your team, how well is everybody getting along so far? You know, through the um, the last six or seven weeks, you know, quite quite frankly, the tensions were running high with a couple of folks in, in, in the shop. But we got to keep in mind that we were running, I think it's a and to Tommy's point, we had, I think, a sh- probably the sh- day we had was a 12-hour day. But, you know, the guys would usually be there by some by 8 in the morning, some by 9.30. And people were, weren't leaving before, you know, 10 at night, sometimes 2 in the morning. So then uh, once we got down to Daytona and we had the uh, a little time to breathe saying, wow, we pulled this off, people were having a lot of fun together. So it's it's surprising that we had that many personalities. And Scotty, when we showed up at the track and we did an actual headcount of people that are there, um, and having a new group, it's like 20 people. So it's like 20 people that really not a lot of them have known each other real well. Some have known each other for a lifetime, 
and to bring a group together that was and it's a real cohesive environment right now and you know Tommy's job and my job and everybody's job there is to you know keep that because we can't win and we can't you know we can't put off the image of the sport unless we're being very professional at all times and that's the expectation of the owner and and it you know it will happen and it will be that way love it so we're at the part of our podcast now it's time for our rapid fire questions so basically i'll ask a question i want to know the first thing that pops into mind tommy you're up first what's your favorite motorcycle uh wow i have so many probably my championship bikes i have that uh i was able to keep that i have here in my house right on what what are they 600 Kawasaki, 600 Super Sport bikes, 2003 right and 2004. That's awesome. Tim, what's your favorite motorcycle? I know you got about a thousand of them in that shop. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but you, you've got tons of motorcycles. Which one's your favorite? 1949 Hemi R100. Really? Manufactured Germany, never imported into the United States. All right, so that's a very rare piece for the United States, right? It is, it is, and the technology. I'm uh, just briefly on that particular bike, which didn't enter the United States till years later. Is that bike's called it has an what's called an uh, egg motor, where the pivot point for the swing arm is inside the motor. And in 1949, it had a single-sided swing arm because they had so many flat tires. So they had that technology in '49 for changing not only the rear tire but the front tire. Front is a single-sided fork. Wow. Just, if you look at the technology of that motorcycle, it's, it's unmatched to anything I've seen. That's crazy. I, I have to check that one out next time I come out there. So, Tim, this one's for you. What is more stressful, your logistics company or running the race team? <laughs> On race day, it's the race team. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, there, are there any similarities? Yeah, there really are. It's a, it's, and, it, and they're polar opposites of each other. But in the business side of it, it's like when you're – in the in the logistics company, it's like when you have that opportunity to really close close a deal that can change the structure of your company, add a lot of positions to offer you know you know people jobs, and closing that and growing the revenue of the company. I mean that when you're right at that point of closing it, it's kind of like when you're right at that point of winning a main event. It's just it can all go wrong, or you can celebrate a few hours later. I gotcha. I love it, Tommy. What's your favorite type of racetrack? Uh, I would say TT for sure. All right. Tim, what's your favorite type of track? I love a loose pea gravel. All right. So, Tommy, what's your favorite racing memory? I would say the Springfield TT when my brothers uh, and myself were all three on the podium. Yeah, I agree. That will never, ever happen again. I promise you that. So that's a, definitely a special moment. Tim, what's your favorite racing memory? Well, racing memory of my own would be, and back in those days, you would race like a um, 175 class, 250 class, 360 class, and so on. And in uh, one night, I was able to win all of the all of the features. And not that wow. there were a lot of great guys there, but every feature I raced, I won that night. And then my, since I've gotten back into racing, of course, it's uh, you know Jake Johnson winning Buffalo Chip. 
Right on. All right. I like both of those. You know, if you can sweep a, a night, there's nothing like it. There's nothing better than that, too. For I don't care who all is there, so congratulations on that. So, uh, Tim, this one's for you. You're sponsoring flat track, road racing. You help your nephew with sprint cars. Are you looking at any other racing sponsorship opportunities right now, or you got your hands full? Well, right now what I'm doing for fun for the old guys is um, for the uh, in Atlanta, they'll be making their debut. You'll see uh, um, Jackie Mitchell and uh, old Charlie Roberts on a couple of uh, Estens and Racing Astros. So that'll be fun for the year. I think there's – I'm not even sure, Scotty. I think there's five events that they'll be racing. Yeah. I believe Along so. Along with uh, AFD. So that'll be fun. And then my nephew on the sprint car is making a big step. He's a 16-year-old kid who got invited up to run a 410 wing sprint. So wow. basically wow. the same cars. Um, so I've been working with him. He, he lives in the Dakotas, and I've been flying him back and forth. And we've put together a program with um, uh, Nito Racing out of California. So we've been testing out there, and he has his first live race at 16 in a, in a 900 horsepower car in a couple of weeks in Bakersfield, California. Wow. That's awesome. All right, Tommy, who, who do you look up to? Uh, I would say my father. Right on. Love it. Uh, Tim, who, who do you look up to? I had a mentor in life and, and sadly he passed away from cancer a number of years ago, but Daryl Bjornsson, Daryl Bjornsson was a guy that uh, was an older gentleman, and, and he met with me for lunch about once a week and, you know, really helped me understand the uh, the importance of stepping out and taking risks. And if it's, you know, because of Daryl, I had the courage to step out and try and start a company on my own. But a lot of people may not know that I uh, was 100% organically grown. So, you know, I started with nothing out of, you know, from relationship and, and respect of the gentleman that I really believed in. Well, we we certainly thank both of you for your time. I know it's a, a an off day in between Daytona and Atlanta. We're just a, a day or two away from getting there. So I, I really want to say thanks to both of you for taking time. And now it's your opportunity. Who does Tim Estenson want to say thank you to? You know, from the sponsor side, we touched on a few of them for sure. Uh, to have Monster step up and do a team sponsor versus a rider sponsor is huge for us. I mean, that's just, it's really helping us to put our, not only put ourselves really in the forefront of, um, and make it really attractive for the riders, but really for the sport to have it on the side of the trucks. Um, and I'm going to rapid fire through the rest of them so I don't take so much time. It's a couple. The Yamalube, of course, is just wonderful to have them on board. You know, as you know, the OEMs have been struggling the last few years. And to have Yamaha um, step up a little bit this year was helpful. But another partner we haven't mentioned yet I'm excited about is uh, Dynasty has stepped up again in a big way as a team sponsor. We haven't spent much time talking about safety, but the rider safety is by far the most important thing for for our team, definitely for Tommy and I. And they've agreed to partner with us and work with us on the air seat. So we'll be continuing that partnership, hopefully for years and years to come. Along with that, uh, WPS out of um, Idaho, you know, worked with and started talking to Terry Baisley. Uh, Max Steffen also works on the racing side. He's our primary race guy. Terry Baisley and I really hit it off on the phone, and we signed a um, multi-year agreement with them 
WPS fly racing. So I'm very excited about that to have them enter into a, a flat track environment to where they're predominantly, of course, in the motocross world. But they saw they saw something in our team, and they believed in us, and they really believe in where flat tracks going. So very thankful for to have them on board, along with you know, what can you say about Motion Pro? I mean, Chris Carter, his team has been with this sport for so many years. I mean, they they help out all the little races to to the national racers like this. So um, I just appreciate all of those. Those are my main call outs. Right on. Tommy, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, for sure. You know, Tim definitely uh, mentioned a lot of our partners. We also, uh, a big one is S&S. They're helping us a lot this year on the technical side, uh, helping us get more competitive on that for sure. So I definitely want to make sure we don't forget about those guys. You know, Vortex also came on board this year and uh, helped us kind of get going here with some new stuff. So, yeah, those guys for sure. And probably uh, just my family supporting me and doing this and, you know, being gone, being able to support me with my traveling and being gone and holding the fort down here at home while uh, I'm out doing what I love to do. Right on. Tommy Hayden, Tim Esson, thank you so much for coming on Off the Groove, and uh, we'll see you in Atlanta in just a few days. You got it. Thanks, Scotty. All right, thanks. Thank you. I just want to say thanks to Andrea for getting this set up for us tonight. Yeah, she hooked it up. She worked with the AFT for a little bit. Uh, she does a lot of coordination on the Estens inside. She's a photographer. Um, she does a lot of their social, all their social. Um, and maintains their website. I think their YouTube and that stuff as well. And a lot of other things. I mean, you heard a little bit in the interview of how she was kind of the person that introduced Tommy into the mix. Yeah, and you know, hats off to her. She, you know, she put people together and got people talking. And, and you never know what's going to happen. I mean. The world, uh, a lot of times, is about connections. It's who you know and, and how everything goes together. And it's pretty cool how this whole team is put together. And, and I can't wait for their future. I mean, you know, sounds like they're in it for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, if they did that much getting ready for Daytona, they're probably not happy with the end result, but they got to be happy with the day uh, in that first race in Daytona. And uh, it's interesting to see how they're going to fare on this short track here tomorrow. I can't wait. Are you coming up? You're going to make the short drive up to Atlanta? Uh, I don't think I am. Why not? It's not that far. Come on, sissy. I, I know, but I have a previous uh, engagement that I'm not going to be able to make this weekend. I want to be You're there. getting engaged? No. Don't get it twisted. engagement? No. Stop it right now. No. I just... You said it. I'm not going to make it. But listen, you have to do the post-race thing. You have to... You're going you're gonna to have to... You're going to have to do this because people dug it. I'm telling you, and we need to do it. People, you don't want to let the fans well, down, Scotty. I didn't ever want to let my fans down. No. Now and it'll be fun. I think you know we'll talk. Well, I'll, I'll obviously be watching. I won't be there, but I'll be watching on Fans Choice, and we'll conversate a little bit. And maybe you just after the race, or maybe you and I can call people up after the race. However you want to do it, but we need to do it. I think it works. Well, I'll, I'll take my microphone that plugs into my iPhone and uh, see if I can catch a few people after the races. If not, maybe we can give them a call afterwards. But I like catching them in the moment. You know, as they're loading up, as they're talking to their friends and get their get their thoughts on the day i think it's a great idea i mean it's the same mentality as as what we did f- like for the pit walks leading into the day right to understand what, where people's heads are at before they strap on that helmet and go start racing um, i think the same goes for the end of the day right you know, emotions are probably still high whether they won whether they lost um you get the raw emotion you get real moments like that jen lewis thing that we joked about in the beginning but 
I mean, that's 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 what the pits are like. That's what that's how people have fun. That's how they unwind. Um, and it's real. I think that's ultimately why people liked it. But we need to do more of it. I love it. Yeah, we we had a good combination too. We had riders, we had mechanics, we had team owners, we had sponsors, and we had fans. You yep. know, we had we had a good combination. We had super hooligan riders. I mean, absolutely, we had a little bit of everything. It was awesome. Well, it just goes to show. All we did was put a microphone in front of people and uh, just talk flat track, and that, that's what came of it. So, um, I had a lot of fun making it, and the uh, people are responding to it. Right on. Hey, Anyways. guess what, Carter? What? It's time to smash that like button, give us a follow, tell all your friends to listen to Off the Groove. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. And we'll talk to you next Friday. Peace out, homie. Later. Hey, Scotty, should I play some new outro music? Hey, Carter, I like what we have. You like what we have? I should never change it. You can change it if you want. What if I want to mix it up? Well, you know what I'll do? Is I'll, I'll do a different intro and outro for your uh, post-race stuff. All right. Because I got a new outro music that's really good. Right. That's really good.